This is Health on the Plains, a podcast about rural communities, rural life, and the many factors influencing the health and well-being of rural Kansans. Health on the Plains is a podcast from the Kansas Health Institute, a nonprofit, nonpartisan educational organization committed to informing policy and improving health in Kansas through honest, nuanced conversations with leaders and doers from a variety of backgrounds. The Health on the Plains podcast offers unique insights into rural health challenges in Kansas and shines a light on the people and organizations working to make their communities healthier, more vibrant places to call home. Welcome back to another episode of Health on the Plains. We just wrapped up a great conversation with Clarissa Carrillo Martinez, who is uh, many things. One of the things she, she does is she is regional lead for the COPE project uh, with KUMC out here in the western part of the state. She is also vice president for Local Health Coalition here. And we had a really great conversation. We really talked about how to authentically engage and build partnerships uh, here in the community. We talked about the value of community health workers and heard some stories about the impact they can have. It's a really great conversation about leaning into our lived experience and leaning into listening to our partners and our community members and building relationships to tackle those big challenges that we identify in our communities. Hope you enjoy. Welcome back to another episode of Health on the Plains. Uh, we are here in Liberal, Kansas in the southwest region of the state and our guest today is Clarissa Carrillo. And we are going to talk about a lot of different things. Clarissa wears so many hats, I, I have to make sure I look at my notes to get all of them. She is the West Regional Lead for the COPE Project. Uh, she is, that's a project in partnership with the University of, of Kansas. Uh, and the, the project helps support community health workers uh, in communities across the state. Uh, she also serves as Vice President for the Liberal Area Coalition for Families. Uh, that's a local nonprofit organization that supports and helps drive a, a lot of really great work uh, to improve health here in Liberal and, and Seward County. Before those two positions, uh, Clarissa also worked as Executive Director for Seward County United Way, uh, the Girl Scouts of Kansas Heartland, and was Communication Director for St. Anthony Catholic Church. On top of all that, in her free time, uh, Clarissa found a way to earn an MBA from Emporia State. Uh, congratulations. Thanks. That was in 2022. Uh, and she also teaches ESL classes uh, here in this building, uh, where we're at now. So she teaches ESL, uh, English as a Second Language, classes uh, for adults. Uh, and that's here at the Epworth Adult Learning Center, where we're recording today. Uh, Clarissa, we have so many things to talk about. We're really excited to, to welcome you in. Thanks for joining us. No, thank you for giving me the opportunity to share a little bit of some of my perspectives and also experiences. I think by you reading some of that bio, it just makes me feel very grateful to have had so many opportunities uh, to continue to, to learn from our community uh, and also advance. Um, I think, as I will share probably a little bit later uh, in the interview, uh, for me, there, there were points in my life where I honestly never even thought that I would be sitting here and sharing, even speaking English. Um, so again, I'm grateful for, for being here and thank you for, for giving me some time. Well, we're, we're grateful to have you. And you, you talked about uh, this community mm -hmm. that you get to, to be in and, and serve. T tell us a little bit about Liberal and the Southwest region of the state. We have folks that listen to this from all over the state, from other states that 
maybe unfortunately less familiar with with our this this region of the state. So what what's what's unique about liberal? Tell us about this area. So for me, again, I was born in Mexico, um, but I came into the U.S. when I was eight years old, and I came specifically to liberal Kansas. Um, so I can say that I've been raised in liberal, and I've been here for more than now twenty years. Um, so for me, this is this is home, mm-hmm. uh, and it's 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 home, and it's it's my community, and. When we talk about liberal Kansas in, in the West region, because I, I think when we talk about the West region is divided between Northwest and Southwest Kansas. Mm-hmm. For me, I've been very familiar with Southwest Kansas for a long time because of my work and because I, I spent pretty much my whole life right. here now. Uh, and when we talk about the, the region, especially when it comes to geography, you might think right away a lot, definitely a lot of land, a lot of open land, a lot of cows, yeah. cattle. Um, and Definitely to say that when it comes to geography, uh, Southwest Kansas, Northwest Kansas is made pretty much of the agriculture um, sector, also a lot of meatpacking plants. Um, and as, as you drive uh, along the roads of Southwest Kansas and Northwest Kansas, you get to, to see um, some of the, the meatpacking plants, the dairies. Um, and again, a lot of sometimes flat land. Mm-hmm. Um, but what makes what makes it unique when it comes to your region, and again, this is from my perspective, from my experiences living here, uh, it's not just so much about the geography or that we are, are known for our meatpacking plants, uh, our dairy farms, um, the cattle, but because of the people as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and I can tell you that Southwest Kansas and also Northwest Kansas is becoming very diverse when it comes to culture. Mm-hmm. Um, and the one thing that I say that makes me very proud uh, when it comes to your region is that when you go out into the communities, and maybe it's also because we, we live in, in smaller communities, when you go out, someone is going to greet you, someone's going to say hi, uh, someone is going to give you a smile. Um, and I can share too that when I was younger uh, and when I was in college, one of my dreams was to move to a bigger city and think like, in my mind, I was like, New York, New York would be perfect. It would be uh, amazing to live in a, in a big city. But then there was one time, and again, um, New York, you know, it, it has its own beauty itself. Um, but I realized when I was walking in those streets that no one was really paying attention. No one was really uh, greeting you or giving you a smile. Uh, and as cheesy as I might sound, when you come to Southwest Kansas, especially if you go to, if you go to, to one of the stores, you're going to find someone that you know. Or even if they're strangers, they're still going to say hi. Or even when you're down the road, they're still going to wave. Um, so again, when it comes to, to our community, um, I think I can, I can say that from the experiences that I had is that people are willing to do work. And especially when there are emergencies, people become a community uh, and they're willing to support each other. So you can see that by just walking in the streets or whenever we have had experiences, uh, emergencies, people come out to support each other. So I yeah. think that's what makes it unique. Um, and again, this is from, from my experiences. Absolutely. A, a really strong, strong sense of, of community and, and supporting each other. And I, you, I can absolutely resonate with, you know, the, the wave and, and friendly <laughs> uh, hello. I, I grew up at Nest City. It's a, a not too far north of here. It's sort of in that on the line of that north and, and south split of, of western Kansas. And there's a you know there's the standard. You're driving doesn't matter who it is. Mm-hmm. Sort of standard little gentle wave. wave, and doesn't matter who it is. There's there's a sense of of trying to be welcoming. And the other thing that that uh, you mentioned that I 
I imagine is, is common in a lot of our rural areas, but maybe is unique here. You may, in, in a lot of towns, you walk into a store and they're going to greet you mm -hmm. and say hello, but here they'll probably greet you, but they might greet you in multiple different languages. <laughs> yes. So that's the one thing that I was going to mention too. Uh, with, I, I got to really explore the Southwest region because of my, my work with Girl Scouts of uh, Kansas Heartland. So that's where I really got to, to visit a lot of the other communities um, and actually got to spend a little bit of time living in Garden City. Uh, like I mentioned earlier, when it comes to culture, we are seeing uh, an increase in, 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 in the just different cultures that we have within our communities. And if I am not making a, a, a kind of giving the wrong numbers, uh, what I remember, Garden City, I believe they, they, in their school district, they have more than 60 languages spoken in their school district. Um, so that just tells you, and I, I believe the numbers probably change, and I, I would want to say that they probably increase because, again, of the, our immigrant population are also our refugees uh, that are coming into our community. But again, it's just amazing to see just the diversity and, and having that opportunity to learn from other countries without having to leave Southwest Kansas. Yeah. Um, so it's just been amazing to see, see that. And, and I think our communities have been really good. Um, I know Dutch City has a cultural festival every year, um, at Garden City as well. Uh, we're starting to, to actually have one here in Liverpool as well because we want to celebrate uh, and get to learn about who we have in our community. Uh, but more than anything, connect uh, and, and make our community stronger because sometimes it's not about fearing the new, but learning from the new and seeing how we can strengthen and make our communities better. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, th thanks for giving us a little, a little grounding to, to this region and, and some of the, the great things that, that make it unique. I wanna, wanna talk now about one of the, we talked about the mini hats you wear. <laughs> wanna start with one of the, probably one of the biggest, and that's with the, the COPE project uh, with, with KU. So, uh, for those that haven't heard about the COPE project, what, what is the COPE project and what, what's your role in that? So definitely, again, this is one of the things that I am very grateful. I'm always going to be grateful for this opportunity. Uh, so COPE, Communities Organizing to Promote Equity. Um, this project started with KU Medical Center uh, funding coming from the CDC and also KDHE. Um, but this has just been a great opportunity for our communities um, to also come together and have conversations. So with HOPE, we have two main components. One, which is our local health equity action teams. So these action teams are composed of community health workers, mm -hmm. um, but also we have uh, members that might belong to different community organizations. Because again, a lot of the, the different organizations that we have in the community have done work for a long, for a long time um, and have experience and then they have resources. But the thing that I, I really enjoy, and I, I think is just the beauty of this project also, uh, with these action teams, again, you have organizations, member of organizations, you have your community health workers that do tremendous job with connecting with uh, members of the community. But then also at that table, community members have a seat at the table to share their lived experiences, to share some of the barriers that they're seeing in their community. And I think it's just... I, I, I think that's the beauty of it because I think at times if you are just, again, if you're a, a member of the community but don't have a title attached to your name, then sometimes you don't feel that you belong at the table or that your experiences have value to it. Um, and I can share that just because being in the shoes that I've been in the past, 
I and sometimes even now, sometimes I feel like, well, who who am I to be at the table to share um, or share experiences? But this project uh, itself has given us the opportunity to bring uh, as many people to the table, but also those those members that sometimes might feel that, well, I don't belong here. It's been a yes, you belong. We need your live experiences so that way you can help us understand and learn. What are we missing? What can we do better? Um, some of, and I think it's just been amazing to actually see when we're sitting at uh, some of those communities, sitting at the table, having conversations. You have members sharing some of their experiences. For example, I'm just going to throw this out there. Um, when it comes to food insecurity, at times we're always like, okay, we need to make sure that we put food boxes because we have members of the community that, you know, they're going hungry or we need to make sure that we're supplying this. But then when we were having this conversation, we have another member that says, you know, food boxes are great, but sometimes some of the items that, that are in those food boxes, some of our community members don't even know how to use them. Um, or sometimes we don't have the equipment to use what's inside the, the, those food boxes. So it was just one of those moments of like, yes, you're right. Um, we were not even thinking about that. We were just thinking about serving, you know, the, the, creating the service. But at the same time, we were not thinking about those details. So again. Being able to sit at the table, have conversations, listening to one another has just been the beauty of it. But again, also being able to bring different people to the table. Absolutely. We, we sometimes talk about uh, the, whatever the challenge mm -hmm. is that we're, we're working on. Those that know it best mm -hmm. are the ones that are closest to it and often the ones living it. And even though we all sort of know that, it, it's... Unfortunately, it's not as common as as it could be that we create spaces like like you all have done with the with the the local health equity action teams, where you are intentionally bringing those people together and creating those opportunities for them to say, "Hey, this is a really good idea, uh, but here's how we could make it work better. Here's how we can we can make this fit fit uh, better into to our unique situations." The the project also really leans into and, and leverages the the skills and the expertise of community health workers. Mm -hmm. For those that are maybe less familiar with community health workers, what, what does a community health worker do? Our community health workers, specifically in this project, have been able to connect mainly uh, and serve community members and connect them with resources. Um, because even though we live in, again, in, in rural communities or smaller communities, at times, you would still be surprised that how many people do not know everything that you have in, in your community or the resources that are there. Sometimes it might just be because, you know, you have no idea that those resources were there. Sometimes it's the, 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 the language barrier. Sometimes it's just so many different factors. Um, but being able to see some of the, the, the work that our community health workers have done um, and also the impact that they have made in some of their clients' lives uh, is just, I mean, it's just incredible. Um, at times, you just, you know, some members might, might just need a little bit of help connecting with resources. But sometimes, sometimes again, those community health workers really help and make sure that they're pushing that client as well to, to, to make progress. But it's just, it's just been amazing. I, I know there's one story that I do want to share later on um, that almost made me tear up, but community health workers do a tremendous job of connecting our, our community members with resources. And they, they sort of serve as that, that bridge because we, we know even in smaller communities, you, you know lots of folks, but no one can ever, no one can ever know every no. resource that's available. And a lot of times 
you can sometimes be so busy just trying to to get the work done to to do a good job with your family at mm -hmm. your work that you don't know about the new resource mm -hmm. that's available and and that community health worker can come into that situation and be be a, a it, have a relationship and be a partner in working through and connecting with those resources and i i can ima only imagine how valuable that is for for a lot of folks that especially might feel like they were having to do it on their own mm. or they were struggling to navigate some of the complexities and you have someone that can come in and is a friend is a coach is a mentor is a is a connector and and that can be an amazing resource so we talked about the the ways community health workers can support their communities and i i know over the course of this project you probably have so many examples mm -hmm. of, of the impact but you mentioned one story. So what is that one story that really stands out for you of, of the, the impact community health workers can make? So for me, actually, with this project, we actually, uh, got to uh, interview a couple of clients from our different uh, community health workers. And I got the opportunity to interview uh, one of the clients in uh, Goodland, actually. And when she was sharing her story, um, it was just very impactful. But I think it was also one of the reasons that it stuck with me was just because, again, like I mentioned, coming as an immigrant to the United States and, and some of the experiences that I, I, I got to live through, um, listening to what she was sharing, uh, I, it just brought a lot of memories uh, for me. But one of the things that she was sharing was that there was one day when she was walking and it was a really cold day. And it was really it was her and her daughter that were walking down the streets in, in Goodland. And it was a really cold, cold morning. And there comes one of our CHWs. Um, her name is Sandra that was driving <laughs> along the road. And again, we live in rural communities, smaller communities. So if you see someone, you might stop and ask, like, hey, do you do you need a ride? Um, so that's exactly what our community health worker did. Sandra asked her, like, do you need a ride because it's really cold? Uh, where can I take you? And she, um, when, while they were taking her to, the, to, to where she needed to go, she, got, she was sharing some of her needs. So right away, our community health worker stepping into her role, um, started working with her and connecting her with uh, several resources that were available. One of the things that she was struggling with was uh, finding resources for her for her children um, she had I believe I think she had three children or a little bit more um, that were needing uh, resources for school um, but also were needing um, uh, food access as well um, so our community health worker was able to connect her with with some of those resources right away um, and she was still I believe connecting her with other things that she was needing um, but when she was sharing her story she was just tearing up just saying how grateful she was that Sandra was there to help her also kind of walk her, walk her through some of those processes. Um, because again, when, you know, we're very lucky that we have programs or that we have resources, but we also have to understand that some of those uh, programs or services have processes that sometimes can seem somewhat intimidating, especially if it's the first time. And I can share again from my own personal experiences, when you are in a position, when you are struggling, when you are trying to have food at your table, everything else, or even if it might just be like, here, here's an application that you have to fill out, the world can be very overwhelming. 
Uh, and even if it might just be a simple application for someone else, when you have so many things happening in your life, when you are struggling, when you're struggling to have food, not just for, for yourself, but also your children, then the world is overwhelming. It can be a lot. Um, so having a friend, like you mentioned, having someone that is friendly, having someone that can at least tell you, like, let me help you at least for the first steps, it makes a huge, a huge difference. Um, so when she was sharing her experience, I couldn't stop myself from just remembering some of those experiences that I had when I was younger. Um, so she was crying. I was crying. <laughs> so it was just one of those, those stories and experiences that stuck with me um, by having that opportunity to interview that, that client. Absolutely. That, what, a, what a beautiful story that, that really um, summarizes the, the value that that community health workers and the COPE project in, in, in particular has had, had with folks. I, it's such a, a, a well-made point. We, we can talk about and build really great resources and organizations, but folks still have to navigate their way through that. And life gets complicated. And, and sometimes what we need is someone there to, to walk with us and support us. And that's what community health workers can do. And, and your role, you help all the community health workers across this region do that, and I, I imagine that uh, you you get to see that impact uh, time and time again. I I can imagine folks listening to this that are in in maybe their their community hear that that story. Um, maybe then they Google community health workers and they go, "Man, this sounds really good. How do I get a community health worker? What what recommendations would you have to to?" other communities, other organizations that are interested in exploring community health worker programs? So definitely, I, I would say that I am not the expert when it comes to our community health workers. I've been able to, to help and, and, uh, and work with our community health workers, but um, some of our team members through KU Medical Center, uh, especially Ton, um, they've just been great about creating programs and are, are the experts when it comes to our CHWs. But the one thing that I can tell you for sure is that there's already a movement on trying to create more awareness of what our community health workers do and, and, and the importance um, and also trying to make sure that they also get uh, a, a, a fair treatment when it comes to their, their, their payment because they, they, do, they do amazing things. Uh, it's not just, again, like connecting the, with those resources, but also navigating uh, and really making an impact on, on, on someone's life. Um, so the one thing that I, I could for sure give as an advice is that know that there are things already being worked when it comes to our community health workers. So it's not something that is just like a new idea that is barely from scratch that you have to, to, to create. Um, but there's already a, a process. There's, there's things already that are, are being worked on. Um, so definitely reaching out to, to some of the things, things that are already being done um, because we don't have to reinvent the wheel. We just have to continue to learn from what is already being worked on uh, and improve and adjust to, to your own community. Um, so definitely reaching out. Absolutely. <laughs> so the, if, if you're interested in community health workers, seek out those resources. There's a community health worker mm -hmm. coalition in the state. Uh, as you mentioned, there's some, some new opportunities payment-wise. And there's folks like, like you, like Tan, like the group at COPE that I'm sure would be delighted to, to share resources and hear from folks that are interested in, in uh, the amazing impact that community health workers can have. So I, I, wanna, I wanna sort of pull on something you, you mentioned uh, in your, your personal story, but also how it relates to your work. And 
I, I sh- I've shared uh, with you that my wife also mm-hmm. immigrated to the United States. She came when she was 10. Uh, she did not know any mm-hmm. English when she came and took ESL classes. Mm-hmm. You mentioned before we started that uh, some, some similar experiences. And I think that no matter who we are, when we show up in work, especially in community-based work, we bring our, ourselves to that work. We bring our, our lived experiences. We bring what we've gone through as kids and what we've learned in school. And so I know I've talked with, with my wife uh, about sometimes not even consciously, but how that experience allows her and plays into the work she does to connect with, with communities. So I'm, I'm curious, when you think about the work you do in, in COPE, but also with with the, the coalition and some of your other efforts, how that experience and, and knowing what it's like to be new to a community, to have to, to sort of be uh, learning so many things all at once in the world in a lot of ways, <laughs> feeling overwhelming and so much change and how, how that experience informs the work you do now. I think, again, having to to work in the community um for me it's just it's been again i'm gonna use this word over and over again a feeling of feeling grateful um because like i mentioned uh coming to a community where i mean it was new to to not just me but also my parents not knowing the the language um struggling sometimes with trying to figure out the system trying to learn so many different things at the same time um, going through so many different challenges, and now being here, uh, where I also now get the opportunity to give back uh, and 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 work with with our community. Um, sometimes, again, some of the challenges that we face on trying to organize our communities to be better are not easy. Um, one example that I can share is that transportation has been a huge issue, especially for, for our region, because again, when it comes to traveling from one county to county, there are long distances. And sometimes some of the, the especially when it comes to medical resources uh, or when it comes to immigration as well, we have to travel far out. And sometimes transportation is not available for everyone. Um, so some of the challenges that we face as community, it, it takes a lot of time. It takes a lot of work, a lot of thinking, more than anything, upstream uh, thinking, which is definitely a lot of uh, challenging at times. And it can, be, it can also be overwhelming at times, not just for, for myself, but for a lot of our community members that are trying to come up with solutions. But I think what keeps us going, and this is... Me personally, what keeps me going from continuing to, to, to do the work that we do, even though it's challenging, is going back to remembering how I started, how we started um, with my family. And I, most of the time, again, I put myself back into those shoes of, and, and remembering those live experiences that we had coming in. Um, so that def- that's definitely always the energizing part. And that's why <laughs> I'm always somehow involved in a lot of different things uh, in our community, just because I can always bring some of those live experiences. Absolutely. And you, I, I think you can, you can talk to, to someone, uh, a family or a, a community member, and maybe they're just coming to, to the community. And they're at the stage of everything's new. 
and they're learning and you can go, I've been in your shoes before and we can be successful and, and we can make a, a wonderful home here. Uh, and so that can be really powerful to be able to say, you know, I, I, can, I can resonate with your experience. And, and I imagine that helps you and the work you do and your partners build relationships and build trust. And we know that relationships and trust are, are so important to this work. We, in, in small communities, we, we often don't have as many people to go around. We don't have as many organizations, but we have, if you can build, build partnerships and relationships with people, you can get a ton done. And yeah, no, and I think that one thing I was going to mention too, because sometimes it's not just about coming in into a new community, might be new, might be new to you. But the one thing that I do want to mention is that life sometimes can change out of nowhere. And even if you've been living in an area for so long and you're familiar with, you know, what's happening in your area or where to find resources, life can change out of nowhere. COVID. <laughs> I mean, we were life changed for pretty much the whole country in just a couple of weeks and the life that we were used to completely change. Um, and again, for our community, it was just a lot of learning and trying to, again, connect the resources that we had here. But then again, also knowing that we didn't have everything that we needed. So it was just a lot of trying to readjust and really, like you mentioned, trying to bring those partnerships um, and, and connect those resources. Because the one thing that I have also learned through, through my job with United Way especially uh, and through the coalition is that even though we might have organizations, not every organization has all the resources. And as we know, when it comes to resources, we have a limit as well. Even with, with our resources are always limited, even our time and energy. Um, so it's really about, okay, who do we have in our community? How can we, again, grow capacity, but how can we connect what we already have um, to, to be stronger and really try to, to uh, navigate through some of the challenges and maybe new challenges that might come up out of nowhere? Absolutely. That, that's a really, uh, really good segue to talking about uh, your, the coalition that you, you, uh, you're a vice president for. And you all have been around for for over 20 years, and <laughs> when, when I look at all the different projects and, and grants and, and different topic areas that you all have worked on, it's the really varied list, and it sort of speaks to there are new opportunities, new challenges that, that come up in a community, and how do you uh, build an organization that can be responsive to that. But that's not easy. We know in our, uh, it, I, I've seen examples and, and worked with folks where especially in a, a smaller community, you get a group of, of people together and there's a lot of energy. Maybe mm -hmm. there's that one grant mm -hmm. you're able to get to bring into some resources into the community and you're able to do this grant, but then it, it sort of fizzles out and it's often not anyone's fault, but maybe someone takes a new job, someone mm -hmm. moves away, relationships change and, and it becomes sort of one grant and, and that sustained mm -hmm. impact is, isn't always achievable. But you all, but the coalition have been able to do that. And uh, some of the work you all do is, is just fantastic uh, with Blue Cross Blue Shield Pathways grants. Uh, and right now, and you also have grants from the Kansas Health Foundation. And I, I can imagine there are other rural community members that are involved in coalitions that have felt that challenge of building sustainability and being successful in, in uh, lining grants up together and growing the staff and capacity. So how do you think you all have been so successful with the, with the coalition in, in doing that? 
So for me, I, I can share, because um, the, the experts when it comes to our, our liberal area collusion for families is Kay Berloff. She actually knows all the, the history because I think she was one of like the initial, if, if it's not like the one that started the coalition. And also uh, Sarah Foreman that does a lot of the, the uh, making sure, you know, the uh, applying for, for grants to make sure that some of the, the, those grants come into the community to, again, to continue to expand the capacity of what we have already in our community. Um, and, and their team has just been amazing. I am just fortunate enough to be able to uh, sit in, in their board uh, and also be part of the, the coalition. Um, and I think one of the reasons, and again, this is my, my uh, perspective, my opinion uh, of, of why they, the coalition has been so su successful uh, in the community and in helping the community. And I think it's mainly because they've been able to, again, bring people to the table to have conversations to be able to give the opportunity to listen, um, because being able to sit at some of the coalition meetings, we have just, you know, we have the discussion about, you know, the grants, what's happening, but they also give that opportunity to talk about, they give everyone at the table an opportunity to share what is happening. And it, I've seen it several times where, where I call it the magic moment of people you know, listening to each other and someone says, well, we're having this issue in the community with, uh, and again, it might be an organization talking about, we have the resources here, but we're trying to figure out what, what's happening. Um, or we're missing this one piece we have, because again, when it comes to funding or grants, sometimes you have guidelines. Um, and some guidelines might say, you are not able to use the funds this way, we can help you on this side, but then you have a gap on this other side. Um, so then it, that's where it happens where you know, organizations or members are sharing what they have or what they're working on. And then they're sharing, like, we are missing this part. And then I've seen it several times where you have someone else saying, well, we can help with that. We can connect with that. We have the resources for that. Um, so it's just been the magic of, you know, like I mentioned earlier, we have organizations that might not be able to cover all the needs, but then you have this other organization that, again, is not able to cover all the needs either. But then you put them together and they're able to really make a big difference. Um, so that's, that's one of the things um, that I, I seen in those meetings. And I think that's why the, the coalition has been very successful. Um, but also not just sharing of where we're missing or where we have the gaps, but I think it's also being sharing about some of those stories that make a difference. And I think, like I said earlier too, what keeps a lot of us going is learning or knowing that we are making a difference. As cheesy as it might sound, knowing your why and knowing that you are actually making a difference is what keeps many of us just going. Absolutely. I, magic moments. I love that, uh -huh. that, that phrase. <laughs> I, can, I can picture in my head your, your partners getting in a room and then all of a sudden it, it uh -huh. clicks and uh -huh. you, you see that. So a big piece of it is being intentional about creating the space for those magic moments to even occur. And you have to be willing to say, we can't do this on our own. Mm, and yes. we need to, to be open and to really be intentional about creating space to hear stories, to build relationships, mm -hmm. and to develop those partnerships, because that's the only way we're going to make this sustainable. I think that's 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 great uh, way to, to summarize what I've seen and, and heard about and uh, really good advice for folks that are are in positions working with coalitions. I, I think sometimes because we know our rural communities are often having to work with fewer resources, mm -hmm. 
Sometimes it can be really tempting to say we've got to hold on to uh-huh. everything we have. We we have to protect it because we can't. We don't want to lose it, and that's a really fair emotion to feel. Uh, but to have the long term success and long term sustainability, it's it's got to be collaborative. And and you've you've spoke to how how you can create those magic moments that build those those pathways to be uh, collaborative and and build partnerships. I I want to. Talk about one more thing that that is is another hat that you wear, but I think is one that you're you're especially passionate about and interested in, and it's something you do right here in this this building, uh, and that's education. You yeah. you talked and we talked about uh, the importance of education uh, and the value, and you talked some off before we started about you know you thought maybe one day you'd be a teacher <laughs> and that would be your your route. And one of the things you do now is you teach uh, ESL classes to adults, uh, and you you have your personal experience learning English. Uh, tell tell me about what education and creating why that's so important to you to create uh, those educational opportunities for folks here here in Liberal, and, and to so you care about that so much that you spend your free time doing that. <laughs> Yes, when it comes to education, I think education uh, is one of like, it's in my heart, just again, for, for the experiences that I, I've been through. But if it wasn't for education, I can tell you that I wouldn't be sitting here right now. Um, education has opened so many doors and has been that the way that it has not, it, that is not being able to just help myself but also my family. And I can see that impact that it's not just gonna make for us now, but also for our future generations when it comes to my own family as well. Um, I can share that my parents, again, coming from from Mexico, they didn't have the opportunity to have higher education. Um, Coming to the US um, for us was also important to hopefully, again, have a better life but having to face some of the challenges that we face, there were times where it was questionable if education was gonna be, or higher education was gonna be some, an, option, an option for, for, for me. Um, but one of the things that my parents were always like, you know, we didn't have the opportunity to have education or higher education, but we believe it can make an impact. And that was an idea that I, you know, even though there were times that I was like, I don't think, college is going to be a possibility for me. I don't think college is for me. Um, the idea of my parents also saying like, you know, we don't know what we're doing, but we will support you and we will, you know, encourage you to, to, to go for higher education. Um, kept pushing me and being the first for my family to go to college was also difficult and it was uh, scary. But then I kept telling myself, it's going to be worth it. It's going to be worth it. And now I can tell you it was worth it because it has opened so many doors. And at the same time, you never stop learning. Uh, So education is one of those things that uh, you just never stop learning. So that's one of the things that is always going to be there. And and having access to education, um, also making our education systems better. Me personally, I think it's a great investment. Um, because I can tell you again, that is worth it and it does pay off because if I wouldn't have the opportunity that I had, again, I wouldn't be here. And I also think that I wouldn't be able to help 
or be able to do part of the work that we do, which is again helping our community. Um, so being able to to offer or give a little bit back of what I receive. Um, that's why even though sometimes I'm like, I don't think I have time, but then coming to the to the adult learning center and seeing that the the into the, the just the, the the energy that my students have and that they're even though they're tired and they they want to learn again it reminds me again back of how we started um having to you know like navigate also the the education system for myself uh it's just again it brings me back memories and it makes me just happy to be able to give a little bit back of what I received. Um, but I can say that education can truly make and change your life as well. And, and we, we know, I mean, it, you, I'm sure your parents are so proud and you should be so proud to, to have gone from si- sitting and thinking, is this something that I, that's possible to, now you've got a master's degree. Look, look <laughs> at you. I can't believe it sometimes. Like uh, <laughs> but I, I can imagine that, that there are other folks that still feel, mm-hmm. feel that way where they sit and they, they go for whatever reason, mm-hmm. uh, whether it's uh, financial, whether mm-hmm. it's uh, mm-hmm. work, need, feeling like you need to, to start working right away, whether it's language, whether it's just uh, comfort, Whatever the reason may be, education opportunities can feel hard to, to attain. Uh, but we know how important they can be for creating pathways into uh, different careers, to, to health outcomes uh, long term. For, for our rural communities, especially our rural communities that, that like, like here in Southwest Kansas, that have... Uh, larger immigrant populations where folks are coming in and learning a new system. What's, what are some of the things that, that you and your team and your partners talk about and identify some of those barriers that you're trying to, to chip away at to make education feel more accessible to, to folks? Definitely, I think uh, working on, on trying to make sure that, that there is access and also resources available um, because again, coming into a community that might be new, and like you mentioned, there's so many different factors. At times, we have community members that think, you know, like education is probably not an option for 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 me. Or sometimes, again, uh, especially working in this area where we have a lot of hardworking people that mainly again work in labor, like really hard, like labor jobs. Again, you're talking about meatpacking plants, dairy farms, uh, agriculture different sectors, but having to work and then coming out of work, uh, you're exhausted. Uh, and sometimes there's no, there's no energy left. Like I mentioned earlier too, that everything is limited, even our, even our energy at times. And even though we want to do so many things, uh, our energy might not be there. Uh, so I think one of the main things that we tried, and, and this is one of the things that I, I, I myself do a lot is trying to to encourage people and also be an example that it is possible that at times it might seem like it's not it's not possible uh, and that maybe the resources are not there um, teaching or also like creating that awareness that the possibilities are there sometimes it might just be that we we don't know that resources are available um, one of the things that I, we do get to do a lot with with a coalition as well is um, 
work with our social workers at the schools, uh, making sure that um, we are also providing resources for the social workers and also hearing some of the needs. But more, again, more than anything, listening to what are the needs that we have in our schools? Uh, how can we come in and, and maybe help? Or how can we you know, grow that capacity? Uh, what are we missing? Uh, what do we need? Um, so again, a lot of that listening part from, from our social workers, from the parents as well. Um, and then trying to connect some of those those resources, but more than anything, again, being an example of we can it's possible, it's possible, Thanks. even if it's, it seems challenging, it's possible we can make progress. And I think it's possible. I think you're a, a fantastic example of of doing that and uh, and showing what's possible. And it, I think they are very fortunate to have someone like you that that is willing to to listen and recognizes the importance of creating a big table that brings lots of people together and really genuinely listening and, and trusting and, and building those relationships because that's how you can both identify where those gaps are and what that, that unique barrier is for that unique family or that unique uh, group. And, and you can start identifying ways to, to address those. I, I want to I wanna sort of ends with, with having you look into the future. We <laughs> talked a lot about how you have pulled from your past and how you're able to let your experiences inform the work you do in, in, in great ways. Um, but we know, like you said, the world is always changing. Who would have expected <laughs> COVID-19 to, to come into our lives? Uh, it, and who knows what, what will, the world will look like in, in 10 years. Um, but You've, you've already committed a lot to this community and love this community and do so much uh, for it. I want you to sort of zoom out and look 10 years in the future. What, what are your hopes for what liberal uh, looks like and, and how you can continue to, to, to do the great work you're doing? What does it look like in, in 10 years? The one thing that I, I would love for us to, to continue to, to work on, and I think this will make again, a, a big impact for us to continue to grow as a community and as a region is to continue to listen to one another. Um, I think at times, because of personalities, because sometimes we are set in, in certain beliefs or, or just, again, I, mainly, again, sometimes personalities that we think like, you know, it's my way, not other way. Or again, like you mentioned earlier too, that we have limited resources and at times we think that holding on to an idea or to a resource and, and uh, really not, again, sticking to one specific thing and not change or being afraid of change, we might think that, you know, it's the best thing. But I think if we continue to have opportunities where we are willing, having the willingness, again, knowing that sometimes we're not going to agree uh, and knowing that sometimes, again, because of different personalities, uh, we might have some challenging conversations, but I think having that willingness to sit down, knowing that, but still be willing to also listen to one another, learn from one another, um, understand some of the gaps, and really going to back to our why. Why are we doing this? Why do we want to make our community better? Because at the end of the day, even though everyone might have their own individual home, their own individual neighborhood, I like to think that in the long run, we have to look at the, at the bigger picture. And it's not just about me, myself as an individual, but 
And this is something that I, I learned from Susan Locuago. She's awesome. Um, when I got to work with her also with, well, now that I'm still working with her, but uh, when she shared that, we do have to care about how our neighbors are doing. Because at the end of the day, if my neighbors are not well or they're not healthy or they're struggling, at the end of the day, our whole community is going to be struggling uh, sooner or later. Um, so, again, having that opportunity to sit down, to have conversations, listen to one another can make a big impact. So my hope is that we will continue to do this um, to continue to build a strong community. Absolutely. Well, I'm, I'm pretty confident that if, if you stay here in this community <laughs> and you keep working with the great partners you have, that, that you'll keep doing that. It was great uh, for me to listen to, to your stories and, and your work. And thank you so much for for welcoming us to Liberal and, and taking the time to, to talk with us today. Anytime. You just heard Health on the Plains. Look for new episodes twice per month. Follow us on social media and continue to listen to the latest episodes wherever you regularly listen to podcasts. Learn more at khi.org forward slash podcast. Thanks for listening.